Opportunity for somebody else to dial us up and duke it out. I would love to just give the prize back to Joel, but we don't just give things away here on the show. Sometimes we do. I might be lying, but with the High Noon Showdown, you absolutely positively have to earn it. So if you'd like to duke it out and your opportunity to earn a pretty sweet prize pack, dial me up right now. 605-362-3776. The second and third lines of my phone are open. First come, first serve to duke it out with Joel, who joins us now on the air. Joel, welcome into the show. You're scaring everybody away. Hey, my friend, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Bert? I'm doing well, man. Do you want your questions today from list A or list B as we await your competition? A. List A goes for Joel. Joel, you will go first today. So if you're looking to compete with Joel, dial me up right now, 605-362-3776, 605-362-3776. I got NSIC tournament tickets. I got uh, a bunch of other stuff here sitting in the studio as well that I'm going to stuff into an envelope and hook up with Joel or any other caller that wants to dial us up, 605-362-3776. I think we have our taker. You're on with overtime. What's your name? Alex. Alex, I appreciate the call. Alex, you're going to be on list B. And we got our opponent, Joel. Let's go. It's time to roll with the High Noon Showdown on a Friday. That's two best far shooter. Oh, you can count. Good for you. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. Doesn't have to be a fight in the parking lot. Although we'd love to see that, actually. It's time to duke it out in this week's edition of the High Noon Showdown. Geared up and ready to roll for the High Noon Showdown today. Joel is stepping up to the plate first. He chose list A today for his questions. Joel, your first question, jersey number, if you're from this area, if you like the NBA, if you like the Minnesota Timberwolves, you really should get this one right and get yourself out to a good start. Joel, what jersey number does Carl Anthony Towns wear? Well, I'm not an NBA guy, so I'm just guessing. 17. 17 is not correct. He wears number 32, Joel, but you're still in good shape here. Alex, jump out to a big lead if you can tell me the jersey number of future Hall of Famer young phenom Victor Wembenyama. What jersey number does he wear? Is he an eight? He does not wear eight. He wears number one. Alex, we're snaking our way through this. We've got a lot of quarterbacks to choose from in the NFL draft in late April. Two of the guys that might be first-rounders, might be second-rounders, are the topic here for your college question. What college did Michael Penix Jr. play for? 
Washington. That is correct. Alex is on the board. Opportunity now for Joel to equalize the score. Another guy that could be a first-rounder, could be a second-rounder, Joel. What college did Bo Nix go to? Oregon. That is correct. And again, not trying to be a trick question here because both those guys went to multiple colleges. More so, where did they finish their college career? Both of you guys got that right. Joel, you got some multiple choice here. You got to think back to 2022. You said you're not an NBA guy. Here's an NFL question. In 2022, in the 2022 NFL draft two years ago, how many quarterbacks were drafted in the first round? Was it 0 1 or three? Three. That is not correct, Joel, which means the door is open for Alex to finish the job. Alex, in last year's first round of the NFL draft, how many quarterbacks went in the first round? Was it two, three, or five? I'm going to say five. That is not correct either. We're on to overtime on overtime. Alex and Joel, it's a barn burner. 1-1 is the score. Alex, you get first come, first serve for the tiebreaker. How many ounces, as in weight, how many ounces does a regulation college basketball weigh? What's your best guess? 29.5. 29.5 for Alex. Over to line number one for Joel to settle the score. Joel, you say in more or less than 29 and a half. What's your best guess? Less. Okay, you'll go less. Just give me a number, Joel. 18. 18. That's pretty darn close. Joel is our winner. 22 ounces is the correct answer today. Joel, I got your info. Feel free to hang up, pick up your prize pack. I would assume today, because I'm throwing in some NSIC tickets for you, Joel. Congratulations. You're a winner today on the High Noon Showdown. Great job. Thanks. All right, that's Joel, our winner today. And with that, Alex played a good game, but just not good enough to kick off the month of March. And as always on Overtime, you can win once per month. So if you haven't won this month or it's been 30 days since you last took home a prize here on Overtime, Don't be scared to dial us up an opportunity to win big each and every week, just about every single day here on the show. And the contesting line and the line to weigh in on overtime is always 605-362-3776. Highlights here. We'll dive into your headlines of the day here in just a moment. Very lopsided game last night as we open up the scorecard talking hockey, NHL hockey from the Windy City. Things did not go the way of the home team last night Blackhawks shut out by the avalanche five to nothing now into the path of Nathan McKinnon does he have the speed of course he does he's Nathan McKinnon near side circle a shot he scores just out for a rip are Nathan McKinnon his second point of the night his 36th Goal of the season, and that is point number 100. Colorado 5, Chicago nothing as the Avs move to 37-19-5. Blackhawks are 15-40-5 and five on the season. Elsewhere, the Wild lost in Nashville last night to the Predators 6-1. New record for Minnesota, 28-26-6. Tonight in the NHL, you just got three games. Coyotes at Senators, Flyers at Capitals, Devils at Ducks. Are the three games going on tonight? And next up for Minnesota, they'll be down in St. Louis Saturday at 5 o'clock. You can stream that game Saturday evening on ESPN+. Plus. College hockey earlier today, we heard from the head coach of the Augustana Vikings, Garrett Raboyne. His team in action tonight at 7, tomorrow at 6. As Alaska Fairbanks makes the long trip 
from Alaska down here to the 605 in Midco Arena. More info, including tickets, goaugie.com slash Hockey tickets. NBA Finals, couple intriguing outcomes last night. Golden State takes care of the Knicks, 110 to 99. Milwaukee over Charlotte, 111 to 99. And OKC lost last night. That is good news for Minnesota Timberwolves fans. They lose to young phenom Victor Wembenyama and the San Antonio Spurs lopsided game, 132-118 the final. Shea Gilders Alexander, top of the lane against Sohan. Bounce pass out front. Holmgren, guarded by Wembenyama. Step back jumper, stuffed by Wembenyama. Six blocks for Victor Wembenyama. Huge one there. Wembenyama, 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 assists. And those six blocks in the win. New record for San Antonio. Still really darn bad, 12-48. and 48. But good news for Timberwolves fans as OKC slips just a little bit down to 41-18. and 18. Miami lost in Denver last night as Michael Porter Jr. goes off for 30 points in the win. Nuggets win by six. Final score there, 103-97. to 97. Gordon has it off over to Jokic. Ballerina crowd to its feet. Jokic spin move in the paint. Hump shot, God! Six-point lead here for Denver. Less than a minute to go. Nuggets record 41-19. and Lastly, it was Anthony Davis. It was LeBron James. It was LeBron James. And it was Anthony Davis last night. The Lakers win over Washington. Final score at home, 134-131. D'Angelo dribbles left. Bounce pass. LeBron to AD. Slammed up. Lakers by two. Lakers win it by three. Anthony Davis finishes with 40 points and 15 rebounds. Audio there courtesy of 710 ESPN LA. Tonight in the NBA, Timberwolves are in action. Home to Sacramento at 7 o'clock. You got the Mavericks at the Celtics, 630 on ESPN. Other game going on, Bucks at the Bulls. 9 o'clock start time, also watchable on ESPN. Men's basketball last night, South Dakota State wins an outright Summit League regular season title, 72-62 wins up in Grand Forks against the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota. Elsewhere, Nebraska lost to Ohio State, 78-69, and perhaps the biggest win of the season for the USD Coyote men, 88-68, comes on senior night for Lahat Chun. His best game, one of his best games of his career, 31 points and 11 rebounds for the Yote big they move their record to 12 and 18 5 and 10 within the summit league there's no games of note tonight but saturday we got a nice long slate of action for you from the nsic tournament to the summit league all the way up to the ap top 25 seventh rated kansas at 15th ranked baylor gets us going at noon tomorrow on abc usd visits und at one o'clock sdsu at north dakota state also at one o'clock fifth rated marquette at 12th rated creighton in omaha 130 on Fox, Minnesota home to Penn State 215 on the Big Ten Network, and eighth-rated Iowa State at UCF 3 o'clock on ESPN Plus. The Hawkeyes at Northwestern 430 on the Big Ten Network. NSIC tournament schedule for the men. Mankato and USF tip it off at 11 from the Pentagon on Saturday. Duluth and Augustana tussle at 130. Sunday, it's Minot and Southwest Minnesota State at 11, and Moorhead and Winona 
at 1.30 for the first round from the Pentagon, second round overall of the NSIC tournament. Women's hoops last night, Notre Dame over Virginia Tech, 71-58. NC State in overtime over visiting Syracuse, 75-71. And South Carolina retains their undefeated record. Dominant win over Arkansas on the road, 98-61. Elsewhere, South Dakota State goes over the century mark again in a dominant win, lopsided win over North Dakota. Final score, 103-47. Jackrabbits are 15-0 in conference, 23-5 overall. And USD lost in Fargo last night to North Dakota State 63-54. New record for the Yotes, 19-11, 8-7 within conference play. Coming up on Saturday in women's hoops, Iowa State hosts Cincinnati, 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. UND at USD, 2 o'clock start. South Dakota State Jackrabbits are home to North Dakota State, also a 2 o'clock jump time. And your NSIC tournament on the women's side gets going Saturday afternoon, 4.30 start for Mankato and Moorhead, 7 o'clock start for you, Mary and St. Cloud, and on Sunday it's Northern and Southwest Minnesota State at 4.30, and CSP and Duluth tussling to round out the Sunday slate from the Sanford Pentagon, a 7 o'clock jump time. NFL Combine going on right now, we're hearing from all sorts of different quarterbacks, all sorts of different players, and uh, the top two quarterbacks, two of the top quarterbacks, Caleb Williams and J.J. McCarthy, had some audio here, first things first for Caleb Williams, as to what he wants in a perfect landing spot in the National Football League. The main thing that I've, you know, if they if they ask me or if it comes up, the main thing that I've said, I, I want to go to a place that wants to win. Um, a whole, a whole, you know, 360. So meaning the from the top all the way to you know the guys, um, and 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 down to the, the down to the, the the janitors, the people that um, you know that, that that you know make everything run. Um, you know, it's just everybody wants to win. Everybody's a part of that, and 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 you know we all take care of each other. That's Caleb Williams. As for J.J. McCarthy, the one critique for him has been the fact that he doesn't have these crazy gaudy numbers like Bo Nix does, Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner, does, Caleb Williams does, Michael Penix does. But J.J. McCarthy says he's got a stat that none of those guys do. Stats for me wasn't really the big thing. All I cared about was being the best teammate I could possibly be, being, you know, the best quarterback I could possibly be, whatever's asked of me. And the only stat I cared about was W's, and we did pretty good in that category. Absolutely true. Just won the national championship at Michigan for the first time since 1997. Lastly, as we talk about J.J. McCarthy, here's Mike Tannenbaum about his ceiling as far as how high he could go in late April's NFL draft. Yeah, he could even go higher. He could go four. I can see Atlanta trading up to four if they have to. And here's why. The style of play that Michigan had over the last two years just didn't wasn't conducive to having the massive statistics we've talked about with these other guys. But he has all the ability in the world. He has much better athleticism than people realize. I went to a bunch of their practices over the last two years. He's an innate leader. And at the most high leverage moments, Greeny, he played extremely well. That's Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN talking about J.J. McCarthy. NASCAR this weekend. The race is at Vegas on Sunday. You can watch it on Fox beginning coverage at 2.30. And the PGA Tour golf continues today from the Cognizant Classic from Palm Beach Gardens 
Florida. Let's dive into your ReliaBank headlines of the day now. Six players put up double figures and every suited Jackrabbit got in the scoring column last night as South Dakota State women's basketball routed North Dakota by the final of 103-47 to at home at Frost Arena. The win secures sole possession of the 2024 Summit League regular season crown for the Jackrabbits. SDSU shot 64% from the floor and knocked down a season-high 15 threes in the 56-point win, and it is the fifth time in the last six games and the 11th time this season that the Jackrabbits have shot better than 50% from the floor. Brooklyn Meyer was a perfect 7-for-7 from the field. Tori Nelson was 5-of-7. Mesa Byam just missed a double-double, finishing with 9 points and 10 rebounds. Tori Tollefson knocked down two three-pointers, and Natalie Nielsen had four points as well. All sorts of different players getting into the stat sheet last night. Jackrabbits, a very dominant win, 103-47. to Their new record on the season following said big win, 23-5, 15-0 within the conference, and they round out the regular season on Saturday afternoon playing host to North Dakota State. The Jackrabbits will celebrate senior day for Tori Nelson as part of the pregame ceremonies. Senior Lahat Chun was celebrated last night, and he showed out on the night honoring the senior, the lone senior for the USD Coyote men, putting up a career-high 31 points and also grabbed 11 rebounds to record his 12th double-double of the season and help USD take down North Dakota State by 20. Final score, 88-68. to Chun shot 65% from the floor, went 5-for-5 five five from the foul line to help South Dakota pick up a win in its last home game of the season. Max Burchill went five for six from three-point range and scored 17 points as the Yotes went 10 for 16 from beyond the arc as a team. Four of the five Coyote starters scored in double digits and five Yotes notched double figures. Boston Holtz and Isaac Bruns each scored 11 points and Paul Bruns added 10 points with two triples on the night. South Dakota travels up to Grand Forks to face off with North Dakota in the final game of the regular season on Saturday. Tip-off for that one is set for one o'clock. Perhaps the biggest news in the sports world within the last 24 hours is that Iowa women's basketball star and phenom Caitlin Clark has announced on social media that she will be finishing her college career this year and won't be coming back for a fifth season via the COVID-19 waiver. Clark, who's projected as the WNBA's number one pick by the Indiana Fever, broke the women's major college scoring record on Wednesday with a 33-point performance at Minnesota. She has 3,650 career points and is 18 points away from passing LSU's Pistol Pete Maravich, who holds the D1 overall record between men's and women's basketball with 3,667 points. Clark is 234 points behind Pearl Moore, who set the AIAW overall and small school record at Francis Marion of South Carolina from 1975 to 1979, Clark said over social media. While this season is far from over and we have a lot more goals to achieve, it will be my last one at Iowa. I'm excited to be entering the WNBA draft in 2024. It is impossible for me to fully express my gratitude to everyone who supported me during my time at Iowa, my teammates who made the last four years the best, my coaches, trainers, and staff who always let me be me, Hawkeye fans who filled Carver every night, and everyone who came out to support us across the country, especially young kids. Clark just turned 22 in January, could have opted to stay in college another year, 
But a lot of people have a lot of opinions on this, and my opinion is good for Caitlin Clark. Knowing when's the time to jump, knowing not to stay, and knowing to go ahead and begin your pro career. Because when you're talking about people that are wired to excel at the highest level, little girls and little boys out there that are dreaming of excelling in their sport, they want to get to the biggest stage. And I know Iowa Hawkeye fans want to be a little selfish, and everyone in women's college hoop wants to be a little selfish and say, come on, one more year, one more But she's accomplished so much. She's rewritten the record book. She is a top pretty much every statistical category as far as shooters and scorers go in women's collegiate basketball history. A great thing, a great person, great player. And it's time to let her go and write another chapter in the WNBA. And I got to tell you this. WNBA is about to be forever changed by Caitlin Clark making that leap. And it is very exciting as well. As sad as it is to see Clark call it a career at Iowa and at college basketball Very exciting to think of who's going to follow in her footsteps and raise that bar because, like all the people before her, Caitlin Clark came into a good situation because of those stars ahead of her. And she rewrote a lot of the record books, but it's really exciting to think about who might be next up. Paige Beckers comes to mind at UConn. She's back next year. you got all sorts of other young players across the country and including a lot of high school girls and younger that are looking to rewrite the record books in just a few years. Unbelievable the impact she has had. Congratulations, and I hope her college career culminates in a national championship for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Definitely primed to go deep once again in the NCAA Women's Tournament. Minnesota Vikings made some news yesterday as they have parted ways with a big-name player that was already on the roster. Wasn't a free agent, but running back Alexander Madison's time with the Vikings came to an abrupt conclusion yesterday when the team indicated its plans to release the veteran after five seasons on the team. The decision capped a disappointing year after Madison failed to hold down the starting job following the departure of longtime lead running back Dalvin Cook. The move will save the Vikings roughly $3.35 million against their cap next year. He had remained on the roster past March 15th. Madison would have had $2.75 million guaranteed for the upcoming season. Vikings third-round pick in 2019, Madison spent four seasons as Cook's backup before signing a two-year deal worth $7 million last. Last March, the Vikings released Cook later that spring and elevated Madison into the starting role. Started 13 games, managed only 700 rushing yards. But I got to ask you this honestly. This really surprised me from a Green Bay Packers fan and as somebody that covers the Minnesota Vikings day to day and week to week here on the show. Is your team better without Alexander Madison just because you can save uh, three point, uh, what is it, $3.35 million? That's pennies. On the salary cap, and you get rid of a veteran running back, a likable locker room guy, and by all accounts, a really good football player that had a disappointing year. I'm not uh, arguing that point. He had a disappointing season as the lead back. But you could bring in a veteran, you could draft another guy, and some combination of that. Alexander Madison certainly doesn't make you any worse. And for $3.35 million, for me, that was a very surprising move for the Minnesota Vikings. Now to round out your Bank headlines of the day here for our number two. Update here on Iowa cornerback Cooper DeGene and Iowa native. Said he's recently started to run at full speed, acknowledging he is still recovering from the broken leg that ended his final season with the Hawkeyes early. 
DeGene said on Thursday at the NFL Scouting Combine that he had suffered a fractured fibula during a mid-November practice and underwent surgery. DeGene missed the Hawkeyes' final four games of the season, including the Big Ten title game, discussing the injury publicly for the first time and calling it, quote, kind of a freak thing. DeGene said he still plans to have on-campus workouts for NFL evaluators before the April draft. I've been rehabbing ever since, DeGene said of the injury. I started running at full speed last week. I plan on working out at some point before the draft i am medically cleared i'm just progressing right now dejean who's the number 15 player on mel kuyper jr's latest big board we said he will not work out at the combine or at iowa's pro day this season which is scheduled on march the 18th but cooper dejean obviously with a lot to offer nfl teams he just won't be working out at the combine or the pro day but sometime soon before the NFL Draft. That's the latest there, your latest Bank headlines of the day. We take the break when we come back. Let's get the Friday Parlay brought to you as always by Possibilities and high-end glass and tobacco posted up live on the air. Always your opportunity to win big with overtime. That is next. Coming up shortly thereafter, the good, the bad, the ugly, and we finish up the day and the week of the show by talking NFL Combine, NFL Draft, and the standouts from Indianapolis with Joe DeLeon, college football an NFL draft analyst with the Believe Podcast Network. That's all still to come on this Friday, March 1st edition of Overtime. It's so convenient. Sports on the go. Download the free app now. This is ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Right back with you on the Friday edition of Overtime. Hope everybody's got some great plans for the weekend, whether it's NSIC tournament basketball, maybe some Augustana hockey, maybe some snow cross out at the WH Lion Fairgrounds. Hope everybody soaks in the sun, has a great weekend, and of course, consume some sports as well. The Friday Parlay, always brought to you by Possibilities and High-End Glass and Tobacco, is getting posted up right now. And I've got your three bets and your tiebreaker here on Overtime. First come, first serve. Get the entries in. Make a Twitter account if you don't have one. Give us a follow and win big with Overtime in the Friday Parlay. A reminder, giving us a follow, probably the most important step outside of entering because if you win, we need to message you to get some details hammered out for your prize pack. We always like to get our prize packs picked up for you guys and at the front desk ready to go as soon as possible. And there have been a few instances in the past six months that the individual that won the parlay was not following us and I have no earthly way of getting in touch with you. So give us a follow and make it all worth your while and pick up your prize pack and redeem your winnings on overtime. Here's the Friday parlay for the weekend. Denver Nuggets, LA Lakers, NBA Saturday night, six and a half points I'm giving to the Lakers at home. Elsewhere, men's basketball Saturday, Marquette and Creighton duke it out in Omaha. I got the Golden Eagles as a small favorite. I gave them four and a half points on the road. 
Uh, excuse me, it's a four and a half point underdog on the road. Creighton is a home favorite. And Ohio State and Iowa marquee game chance for redemption for Caitlin Clark, although the Buckeyes have already clinched the Big Ten number one seed and the Big Ten regular season title. Hawkeyes are at home in Iowa City. Ohio State a one and a half point underdog. And your tiebreaker, Whiskey Myers tickets and more up for grabs. Tiebreaker total points between the Clippers and the Timberwolves in their matchup on Sunday night. That's the Friday Parlay. I've clicked the button. It is posted and live on Twitter right now. Always brought to you by Possibilities and High End Glass and Tobacco. We take the break. When we come back, we deliver the goods, the bads, and the ugly in the latest edition of The Good, The Bad, The Ugly coming up very next. And then after that, we'll be talking NFL Draft and NFL Combine and everything in between with Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network. Hang on. We're back with more of Overtime right after this on ESPN Sioux Falls. It's all here on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Coming down the home stretch of the day and the week of the show. Appreciate you being with us today, yesterday, and every day this week on the program. ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Let's just about finish it up. We still got Joe DeLeon joining us next segment. Well, let's deliver you the week-ending edition of The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, now on Overtime. Many days there are those who can be called a problem child. You know the ones. They have a tendency to display an ugly side. They have their whiny moments. Some display an outright bad side of themselves. And then there are those who stand out in a good way. Well, here they are. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Always love getting some resolution on the air for you folks. Earlier this week, we updated you on the good, bad news about the son of Blue Jays player Eric Swanson. Four-year-old son of Blue Jays reliever Eric Swanson is out of the pediatric ICU at a Florida hospital where he'd been since the weekend when he was hit by a car. Toby Swanson's mother, Madison Swanson, posted the news to her Instagram story account on Wednesday night. The most important update is that Toby is out of the PICU and we are continuing to take it day by day. God is so good and we are so blessed. We're so grateful for the speedy first responders to the accident, to the pedestrians that helped. So we waited the next step and the amazing staff at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. Someone has truly been watching over my little man. Police and fire crews responded to a struck pedestrian call Sunday morning in Clearwater, Florida, involving a young boy who sustained potentially life-threatening injuries. According to Clearwater Police, the child was airlifted to the hospital, and the great news is that he is now out of the intensive care unit. Toby Swanson, a fighter, and great news there. All thinking of Toby moving forward in his recovery, and great news to round out the week of the sports scene. 
Other good news, the day before she is set to begin a two-year commitment as the new commissioner of the Pac-12, Teresa Gold said the most important part of her job will be to help the remaining two schools, Oregon State and Washington State, position themselves for the future. That strategic piece is really being bold and being aggressive, being intentional and really attacking these challenges head on and also being open-minded and making sure we're considering all options. Gold said on a video conference, that is probably the most important and urgent piece of my role is to partner with the leadership on both campuses to forge that future path with their two campuses and their athletic programs. Gold, who's joined by Washington State President Kirk Schultz, did not provide any specifics about what the future could look like beyond the next two seasons, during which Oregon State and Washington State will compete in the West Coast Conference in most sports, along with a scheduling partnership in football with the Mountain West. I've said for a while, I think the Mountain West plus a couple other strategic additions could make sense for a future rebrand rebrand of the Pac-12. Might change the name, we'll wait and see, but they got a good one leading it into the future in Teresa Gold. On to the bad, things have been bad. Bad, frankly, for former Pittsburgh Steelers first-round pick quarterback Kenny Pickett and general manager Omar Khan still expresses confidence in the first-round pick from just a couple years ago. Khan said at the scouting combine yesterday, I have full faith in Kenny. He showed us some good things. I'm excited about the impact that the new offense coordinator Arthur Smith is going to have on him. Arthur's very optimistic about Kenny Pickett, and they communicated. And like I said, we will have some strong competition there, and we'll see where it goes. Steelers likely to add a quarterback, whether it's a veteran or a drafted quarterback this year. And Kenny Pickett, feet to the fire. We'll see how he responds moving forward. Lastly here, the ugly news. A lawyer representing Tyreek Hills denied allegations that the Miami Dolphins receiver broke a woman's leg while running football drills at his home last year, calling them in a statement obtained by ESPN on Thursday, quote-unquote, baseless. The woman, Sophie Hall, filed a civil lawsuit in Broward County on February 23rd. Hall, a self-described actress, model, and social media influencer, accused Hill of battery assault assault, negligence, and intentional infliction of emotional distress based on events that occurred at the receiver's Miami area home in late June of 2023. That's the latest there. Very ugly situation. More on that ESPN.com. When we come back, let's tune it up for some updates from the NFL Combine. Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network joins us next to round out the week on this Friday edition of Overtime. The best sporting matchups and coverage. We are ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Right back with you. We're rounding out the week and the day of the show by talking football. Coming to us from the center of the football universe, at least for this week. Although Colts fans would tell you it is year-round. Indianapolis, the site of the NFL Combine in 2024. Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, a guy that doesn't believe that birds are real and a guy that thinks the earth is flat. They got it all in Indianapolis. And Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network joins us right now from Indy. Joe, my friend, how you doing have you ever seen a baby pigeon <laughs> i love the consistency that we have happening right now during the media availability <laughs> it seems like every single player has now been asked ever since the tip ryan in the illinois tight end 
answered that question. Somebody, somebody asked Caleb Williams that today, and he, he agreed with Tiff. He says he's never seen a baby pigeon, so uh, they, they must know something that we don't. Hey, I've never seen a baby pigeon, but I've seen plenty of baby birds in my time. Birds are, in fact, very real. <laughs> and for my son listening out there, we love our animals these days. He's five. Birds are real, son, for sure. Joe DeLeon of the Belief <laughs> Podcast Network. It's a big week, my friend. What are your favorite parts of the Combine? Yeah, I think that the best part about all of this is, one, getting to see the players all up close and personal and, and getting to hear uh, some of their stories. So today we, we got to hear from the running backs, the quarterbacks, and the receivers, and getting to hear Audric Estime uh, sing Sweet Caroline was a, was a fun experience. And uh, some, some other folks tried to encourage him to sing some more songs, but he declined. But uh, outside of that, I think some of the best parts, too, is just getting to interact and see uh, so many great media members that are here, uh, especially those with Believe that are uh, repping the network, Pat Leonard, Christopher Price, uh, uh, Mookie Hawkins. A lot of great people are here, and it's just fun to get to catch up with everybody and see everyone that's covering the event. Joe DeLeon is our guest right now to round out this Friday edition of Overtime. We're talking NFL Combine, everything in between. I want to talk about the small school guys. I know you've got a past uh, of playing at a smaller school, and, and you got some ties to the FCS college football world. I wanted to hit on a couple guys that are here uh, in Indianapolis. They'll be here this weekend. you got Mason McCormick and Garrett Greenfield of South Dakota State on the offensive line. you also got Isaiah Davis, the running back. I know he's been interviewed, as has defensive back Miles Harden of University of South Dakota. Talk a little bit about those guys, what stands out, and, and where they project, and maybe a few things that they might have said that have caught some eyes so far. Yeah, the, the two South Dakota State offensive linemen, uh, I, I've been really impressed with just how they've done throughout this, this process. And I think I think Eric Greenfield's probably the most likely uh, to earn himself a, a draftable position. Both players, I feel like, are going to look really clean in the offensive line drills just because they're experienced. They've been around for, it feels like, eight-plus years that they've been playing college football, so we know that their technique's going to be good. Uh, they're going to look really clean and refined. Maybe not as explosive as some of the other players, but uh, the, just the general understanding of the nuance of the position is certainly there. Isaiah Davis is somebody I'm really interested in paying close attention to because I, I feel like I was a little bit, not disappointed but dissuaded by the way that he looked at the at the senior bowl because he didn't look as long fast as I thought he was going to be I thought he was going to have a, a little bit more juice a little bit more acceleration I would love to see what he runs for his 40 and if we remember a couple of years ago I know this isn't an apple apple to apple comparison but here strong jr ran way faster than everyone thought he was going to and he earned himself uh, a nice fourth round draft selection when he got picked by the Patriots so there's a possibility here if Isaiah Davis shows off and has a couple of good testing numbers that he could boost himself in a running back class that's got a very wide open gap on day three. But if he ends up being a little slow and a little clunky, which I hope is the case, it might slow him down a little bit. And then one last guy I want to bring up uh, that I've been a big fan of just in general in this process is, is Christian Boyd yep. uh, from, from Northern uh, Northern Iowa, who has just had a fantastic process so far, who, who did uh, fantastic at the East West Shrine game. Joe, I know that Chop Robinson kind of elevated himself from what many believe to be a second-round pick, probably to a first-round pick yesterday, running a four-four-eight as an edge rusher, defensive end. Uh, if you were out there right now, if I was out there, I know my hamstring would tear off the bone, but what uh, 40 time would you put up if you were out there today? <laughs> and what did you think about Chop Robinson? 
Oh man, the last time I ran a forty when I was training for for my pro day, I was, I was a lot heavier, but I think I ran I ran like a five four. Now you got to remember here, I'm a, I was a long snapper. I there was two hundred forty pounds, but uh, I would hope I'd be able to run something <laughs> close to uh, close to a five. Uh, remind me, what was the second part of the question? Just what, what, did, what did you think you about me off guard? What did you What did you think about Chop Robinson and his performance yeah. in the four four eight and everything he's done? Yeah, my, my thing with Chop Robinson is that the testing that he had was was ultimately very impressive. But he's one of those guys on film that I knew he was going to test really well. And the whole point of the combine here is to either affirm our assumptions on a guy athletically, or you know maybe to pinpoint players that we might have missed or haven't really gotten a close look on that maybe has some traits that could be projectable later on in the draft. And I think that the chop, we knew he was explosive. Where I get a little concerned is the arm length, and his arms weren't that great compared to some of these other guys that we're measuring in at 33-inch plus. I, I think that Chop Robinson has a role in the NFL as a highly impactful situational pass rusher. I'm just a little worried that he's going to be able to stay on the field consistently as a run defender because he's not particularly heavy. Uh, he's not particularly powerful and strong to hold the edge. And again, that arm length is something that shows up on film where it, it really hurts him when trying to anchor and go up against offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles, when they're driving him off the ball on rushing plays. But Chop, to me, as, as a, I wouldn't go as far as to say as a first-round pick, but I think he's pretty much locked in going on day two uh, amongst a, a pretty – strong group of edge rushers by just confirming that this guy is really, really explosive. Joe, I know everybody wants to hear about the quarterbacks. If you were picking today, if you were an NFL executive, if you were to say the order of those top six guys, what would you say? I would assume you're on Caleb Williams at number one, right? Yeah, Caleb Williams for me has to be the number one guy. And I know that there is a lot of question marks about if, if he is going to be a strong fit for what Chicago is trying to do. And I know everyone likes to paint him uh, as, a, as just a, a character concern, but I, I'm trying to, I really look past all that because I don't have, you know, any close connections with him to know if, if any of that stuff is real. So I'm going to certainly give him the benefit of the doubt. He lands at number one for me. And then the rest of these, these top picks, even if somebody trades up, Jaden Daniels and Drake May, I really believe are going to go with those top three picks and will be completely off the board. And that's going to open up then the remaining top six to be uh, some combination of Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, the wide receiver, Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver from LSU, who's tailing right behind him. And then I do not believe that Brock Bowers, the tight end from, from Georgia, who – Weighed in at 240 today, which was an awesome number for his weight because I think he was playing around 230. I really don't think he's going to make it past pick six, especially that five pick where the Chargers are currently sitting. We know that Jim Harbaugh loves tight ends. We know that he loves to get Colson Loveland involved. And I think that uh, to see Brock Bowers there would be exciting to get him implemented in that offense uh, to be a go-to option for Justin Herbert. For picks one through five, Bears, Commanders, Patriots, Cardinals, Chargers, everybody wants to hear about potential trades and teams trading up, but those top five teams, is it the Patriots in your eyes that's the most likely to trade down? Yeah, I think that the Patriots make a lot of sense just because they have options at quarterback. They feel like a team that would be a little bit more conservative in the sense that they might sign a veteran um, just because they're coming off of a rookie that didn't pan, or not a rookie, but a younger quarterback on a rookie deal that didn't pan out with Mac Jones. I really think, and it's starting to sound like there's a lot of buzz for 
the potential of the Arizona Cardinals to move out at four uh, where they're sitting. And it makes a lot of sense for them. They're a team that's got a lot of team needs. So for them to move back and pick up a couple extra picks, it's going to take a couple of years to rebuild that roster to a really dominant spot. And the way that you do that is by accumulating picks. Also go as far as to say, I feel like the team that is the most likely to trade up has to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Antonio Pierce has been pretty confident in saying that he's a go-getter. It also seems like there's been quite a bit of murmurs that they might try to make that move to get up in there in the top three to pick a quarterback. It just depends if they could uh, coerce the Patriots or the commanders to trade out of that spot. Very intriguing stuff. Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network is our guest. You can view his work on Twitter at Joe DeLeon. Boots on the ground in Indianapolis. Lastly, before we let you go, uh, based on what you've seen so far in Indianapolis, what are two or three guys that we should know right now that have uh, ascended as far as their draft position? Who has showed out so far at the Combine? Yeah, so we, we've obviously only had the, the edge rushers, the defensive tackles, and the linebackers that participated yesterday, and we're about to uh, have more groups set to kick off very soon today. But I, I think from yesterday, the two that stand out the most is one, Braden Fisk from Florida State, yep. who a little more smaller, more compact defensive tackle prospect, but uh, running in the four sevens was phenomenal. He had some of the best jumps amongst the defensive tackles, looked pretty strong and smooth. That, to me, was overall very impressive because I hadn't really given a really deep look on his tape. I, I was really quick to assume, like, oh, this is a day three guy. He's not very big. He, he showed some, some good motor uh, during the senior bowl, but I'm going to wait to watch him a little later on in the process. But he's on my list of first guys to watch early on. I think NFL teams are going to like him because of his motor. Uh, and then the other one, I have to bring up uh, Lietu Latu, who maybe didn't have the, the craziest testing numbers. He runs a 4-6. That, to me, is a great time for him because on tape, he's really strong. Another player is just relentless in terms of his, his motor. His snap-to-snap just goes through the whistle. Um, but he is such a smooth athlete. And you can tell, for me, what excites me is the attention to detail, the way that he plays the yep. position. I mean, the way that he ran sporty, you can see that this is a guy who spent a lot of time focusing on making sure everything you know, was moving efficiently, and he just looks so, so smooth. The people I was watching this said the same exact thing, and he looks really smooth in the drill. So I, I really like Latu and the way that he's moving up, and then uh, as well, Braden Fish from Florida State. Really great stuff as always. A lot of movers, a lot of shakers, risers, and fallers at the NFL Combine. Great insight as always. Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network, first team podcast as well. Joe, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Appreciate the time as always. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network. You can find him on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, the first team pod. Several other great things. And he's one of our favorites on the show. Always brings such great analysis and confirms that he has also not seen a baby pigeon. That's just one of many of the crazy outtakes so far from the NFL Combine. A lot still to come. And there's everything going on in Indianapolis this weekend for the NFL Combine. We got pro days on the other side. The offseason continues to build and build and build in the NFL. And we're here for it as the NFL season might be all the way away for training camp in July and August. But we're keeping you warm and ready to go for 2024's NFL season right here in the beginning 
of March. That is the end of the show, end of the week. Everybody have a great weekend. Get out to support our local athletes at the Northern Sun Conference Tournament at the Pentagon. Maybe drift over and see some hockey with Augustana, Snowcross at the fairgrounds. Have a great weekend. Soak in the sunshine. We'll do it Monday, 11 to 1. More of overtime on the way then. Thanks as always for being along for the ride right here on ESPN Sioux Falls.